This morning we're in Joshua 21. So if you guys want to turn to Joshua 21, if you guys remember last week we had a guest um, and he was playing uh, classical guitar and sharing just about the Lord, his own testimony and everything. I was really blessed. I actually, it, it reminds me of um, when my brothers and I and my sister, we would go into my grandfather's and my grandmother's, my abuelita and abuelito's house in Queens. We'd go into their apartment and from the back you would hear classical guitar playing. So it was, it, you know, that's actually what kind of inspired us to, my brothers and I, to play music. Because our grandfather, I remember asking him, who taught you how to play? And he goes, no one taught me. I just learned how to play. He goes, I bought a guitar and went and sat on the rocks and just played until it sounded like music. You know? So, And I was like, oh. And I thought to myself, man, if he can do it, then we can do it. <laughs> so there goes my harebrained ideas. All right? So um, yeah, it was really, it was really nice. Um, I was really blessed by it. So I pray that you guys were. And uh, this morning, I'm just going to pray for myself because I need it. I'm going to pray for you guys because you guys need it if I'm teaching. So <laughs> um, let's pray. Lord, we love you. We need you. Lord Jesus, speak through me. Less of me, more of you, Lord. And Lord, um, I pray that you would speak to us through your word. And Lord, that we would be faithful to receive it. And let it go into our hearts that we, our hearts would be that soil that's ready for your word, the seed to be planted in there, Lord. And then, Lord, that we wouldn't be just hearers of your word, as it says in the book of James, but that we would be doers of your word. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. So um, we're actually going to be handling just three verses. So you guys can let out a sigh of relief. Uh, what time is it? 11.44. We should be out of here by 11.45 and 30 seconds. So um, Pastor Tom needs plenty of time. So no, I want to give us plenty of time. Honestly, it's going to be a shorter sermon. So don't be like, oh, I missed it. Get your notebook out now. Jot the notes down. All right. So um, the Sunday school teachers, like the children's ministry teachers, are going to be complaining to me later saying, you didn't give us enough time to get through the lesson. And I'm going to be like, ha, 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 ha. So that'll be a conversation for later. Um, so if you remember what was happening in um, Joshua 21, um, the, the Levites were finally getting their uh, land allotments. They didn't get an actual inheritance of land, like a whole plot of land. They were actually sprinkled throughout all of Israel. And that's what the Lord said, he said, you won't get a territory. You're not going to get a territory like everybody else. Because if you remember, um, jo uh, Jacob had prophesied over his sons, Levi and Simeon, and said, you won't get part of the inheritance because of how you were. But the Lord's graciousness, the Lord's grace and mercy comes into play. And then all of a sudden, they don't get an allotment of land, but they become the Lord's priesthood, right? So you were once not a people, right? We're told in the New Testament, but now you are the people of God, all right? It's only through the work of Jesus Christ that we have something. It's only through God's work that the Levites got something. And he said, I am, he told them, I am your portion, God himself. And I've explained it to you like this before, and um, it would be like, 
let's say the richest person in the world, uh, you know, which changes every week, uh, says to you, you he has a, a group of 12 friends, and he says to all the friends, I'm going to buy each of you a house. But then he says to you, I'm not going to buy you a house. And then you're all like, oh, man, everybody gets a house, and I don't get a house. He goes, no, you get everything I have, right? You're, you're like, you get to live in my house, and you get to use my authority, and you will be the one that takes care of all the others to make sure that all their needs are met, but you have all of my resources for it. I wouldn't turn that down. You know, I'd be like, oh, that's actually kind of cool. You know, that's quite a blessing. Okay. You know, so just in, in, a, in a little picture, uh, that's what the Lord did for the tribe of Levi. So he, he said, you're my people. You will minister to the rest of my people on my behalf, and then you will minister to me on their behalf. So you're going to be my in-between, which is a huge responsibility. And when we look in the New Testament through Jesus Christ, that is our ministry. He tells us that we are the salt of the earth. So just like the Levites, he sprinkles us around in every single area of life. He sprinkles us around so that we can make contact with those around us. You know, some people um, think that you can only spread, God, spread God's message if you are trained up to be a missionary and go out and tell everybody. But let me tell you something. In this Christian life, we are all salt. There are places that you are in that I cannot reach. I could never reach that place. I would never meet the people around you, right? Missionaries in other places, they're doing their job, and the Lord has a special job for you to be the salt of the earth wherever you are, and God is your portion. Now, we come to the end of Joshua 21, and we're in verse 43. So then, you know, he tells the Levites, this is what you have. This is the last piece of the inheritance that he's giving out. And he tells them, listen, you're in all these little towns. And then finally, we hear this kind of little summary of what God did for them. And it's really about the Lord. All right. So then we see this and we'll read it really quick. So the Lord gave to Israel, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, okay? So if you guys uh, need a Bible or whatever, there's some in the back. Um, and I'm cool with whatever translation that you're using, if you like King James, New King James, ESV, NIV, and then everything, you know, like NIV 1984, or if you like 2011, whatever, okay? So we're, we're cool. All right, so I'm, I'm reading out of the NLT. So, so the Lord gave to Israel all the land he had sworn to give their ancestors, and they took possession of it and settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had solemnly promised their ancestors. None of their enemies could stand against them, for the Lord helped them conquer all their enemies. Not a single one of all the good promises the Lord had given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. 
everything he had spoken came true. Like, when I read that, I'm just like, that's, that's so cool. Especially if you've been tracking with me from Genesis, when I started teaching in Genesis, which was eight and a half years ago. So if you've been with me that long, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, um, but you see everything that the Lord had promised, and you see how the people fail, and how the Lord tries to squeeze in the promise for them. And really, most of the time, he can't squeeze in the promise when they give up and walk away. And he's just like standing there, you know, like a, a friend once told me, God is always trying to, show, you know, shower out blessings. It just matters if you're standing in the shower or not. You could be on your own doing whatever you want. God wants to bless you, but you have to be in the place, you know, like think about it. If you were having a birthday party and everybody brought the gifts to the birthday party, but you were not there, you weren't there to receive the gifts. You're off doing something else whatever you'd rather do. And the Lord's like, hey, listen, I want to take care of you. Follow my path. Go with me. We were talking about this in the men's meeting uh, yesterday in men's breakfast. Men's breakfast is really cool. You know, we get fat, and then we study God's word, and then we go into a coma. Um, it's really good. You know, I had lots of sausages, bagels, and all different types of stuff. But yesterday, as we were walking through Proverbs, um, Mike was talking about how the Lord pretty much tells them, hey, listen to God's word. Open your eyes and see. Follow my path, and I will walk with you and protect you. You know, it's very easy. It's a lot of times we just don't trust it. It's our problem. It's not really God's problem. You know, God's not like, oh, I thought I'd help you and then, you know, I changed my mind or God doesn't change. We're told in scripture and you know, over and over again, you know, scripture even tells us he's the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. If you live in this world, you know, nothing else is like that. What you knew yesterday is not what we know today. And tomorrow seems to be impending doom. <laughs> Especially if you read the, the newspaper or watch the news, you're like, oh, man, it's all burning, isn't it? But God has a different story. See, what I see here is one in verses 43 uh, and 44, he gives a promise. He gave a promise, right? He says, so the Lord gave to Israel all that he had sworn to give their ancestors, and they took possession of it and settled there, and the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had solemnly promised their ancestors. So God gives a promise, right? And then the second thing I see, is says, none of their enemies could stand against them because they were super strong, right? That's what the text says. None of their enemies could stand against them because of the work they had done. No, no. None of their enemies could stand against them for the Lord helped them conquer all their enemies. That's the main, those are the key words in there. For the Lord did the work. All they had to do was trust and obey. 
I remember my mom would sing me a song, you know, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. And usually when my mama was singing that song, it's because I wasn't trusting and obeying, <laughs> right? So all of these things, very simple truths as we walk with the Lord. Will opposition come? Oh, you better believe it. It will come. Are there giants out there? Maybe, maybe not literal giants, though I am a small man and many people seem like giants to me, right? But the Lord said, hey, in this world, you're going to have lots of trouble. But don't worry, because I have overcome this world. So what do you do in that instance? Do you stop at that part of the sentence where he says, in this world, you'll have lots of trouble, and you just focus on that? And, oh, man. <laughs> hey, guess what? Whether you know Jesus or not, guess what? This world's got lots of trouble for you. Plenty of it to dish out. But what changes it is if you trust in the Lord and he says, I've overcome it for you. Follow me. Follow me. So God's promises are activated and backed by God's power to be able to do these things. And he tells us from Genesis all the way to Revelation about his power. And I, I often tell you guys, just read God's word because it will help you to trust him because he's telling you about himself. He's telling you something. And not only that, I know God's word is like it says in, in the New Testament that God's word is living and active in, in the book of Hebrews. It's living and active. It actually talks to me. How many times have you guys come to me and say, oh, Pastor Dave, man, like what you were teaching today, God really spoke. Did you know my situation? I'm like, I don't know anything. <laughs> All I know is that God speaks. And he's willing to use a vessel like me and like you. A broken vessel that constantly fails and has to look up and say, Lord, forgive me. I want to walk with you. Help me. And he does. Through his Holy Spirit, he empowers us to keep walking forward and living this life. So it's not power in me to speak into your life, you know, in the sense of that it came from me. The power is Christ in me. And the power in your life is Christ in you. So it's not like, holy man, holy man, heal me. The prayer of a righteous person availeth much. And I'm not righteous by my own work. We know that we're righteous through the work of Jesus Christ that he did on the cross. All I have to do is believe on him, trust in him, and say, you know what, Jesus, you died on the cross for my sins. I accept that. I am sinful. Forgive me. I need you. Like it says in Romans 10 verse 9, right? Confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. And it's easy as cake. Actually, it's easier than cake because cake has to be baked. 
No baking necessary. It comes ready. And we just receive it, and we walk in it, and we trust in it. Now remember, when the Lord was speaking to them, this generation of Israelites that had conquered, there was something that happened before them in the generation before. It happens in Numbers uh, chapter 14. They come to the promised land, not 40 years later. They come before the 40 years began. They come to the edge of the promised land, and the Lord says, enter, and I will be with you. And their fathers and their mothers started crying at the border, saying, they're too big for us. You brought us this far to die. It would be better for us to have died in the desert, for they're going to eat our children alive. And the Lord says, okay. I hear you. I will fulfill what you're asking. You will die in the desert. You will die in the desert, but your children will not be eaten up. Your children will get your promise. I pray it doesn't have to be like that for us. Right? When Israel's first generation out of slavery came to the promised promise land border, uh, what stopped them? Was it their past sin? Was it their rebellious, rebelliousness in the past? Um, it wasn't past sin. It wasn't uh, that they were usually rebellious. It wasn't their constant complaining that stopped them. Okay, These things weren't the things that stopped them. It wasn't their constant complaining. It wasn't their carnal nature, their, their flesh nature that they let rule them all the time. Uh, it wasn't that that stopped them. The Lord was like, listen, you're too cardinal. You can't go in, right? You failed too much in the past. You're not allowed in, right? Oh, listen, you, you were rebellious yesterday, and I remember that. You're not allowed in. That didn't happen. God said, go in. Take it. And remember, there were only two guys that says, yes, if the Lord is happy with us, these giants will be as prey to us. And the rest of Israel, you know what they did? They turned around and said, stone these two guys. And the Lord didn't let them get stoned. Guess who's leading them in? Those two guys, Joshua and Caleb, who at 80 years old says, Joshua, I've been waiting for this land. I got the strength of when I was 40. I'm ready to knock some heads. <laughs> I'm ready to take it. What was different about them? What was different? I'll tell you the one thing that was different. They trusted God. Do you know what stopped that whole generation of Israel from going in? Unbelief. That's it. We're told that in Hebrews 3 verse 19. They'll pull it up on the screen. You'll see it. So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. He's like, I want to give you a gift. And they were like, I don't think you're going to give it to me. It was their unbelief. It's sad. It's a sad story when you read it. And you know what makes it even sadder? It's sometimes our story. The Lord's like, I want to bless you. And we say, I don't believe you. I've been there. 
when hard times happen in our lives, we don't believe anybody loves us. But how wrong we are when we look in the face of our Savior and he says, I have always loved you. I have always loved you. You may feel like that today. You may feel like nobody loves me. And I'm here to tell you, God tells us in his word that he loves us, even if you don't know him yet. But today is the day of salvation. So don't turn away if he's calling to you. He loves you. So what made this generation different was they believed. So their children reasoned that they were going to believe God and they were going to obey. Now, it doesn't mean that they did everything perfectly. They failed, but they were quick to get back and say, God, I believe you. Forgive me. I believe you. And we see that's the story of King David. And actually, there was a story I was reading this week. It's in Two Kings. And, and you'll read this story, and it, it's, it's mentioned three times in Scripture, but you'll read it in Two Kings, 18 and 19. And it's this story of a, of a king that was righteous before the Lord in the sense of he followed after the Lord. And the Lord gave him great success. His name was Hezekiah, right? And around his 15th year of reign on the throne, leading God's people, turning away from what they shouldn't be doing and saying, hey, let's follow God. Let's follow his word. Let's follow what he says. And the Lord was really blessing him. He's really blessing him. Then all of a sudden in year 15 or 16, right around there, this great king of Assyria comes. Okay, so if you don't know about the Assyrians historically, um, I've told you before, but like the Assyrians were brutal. They were brutal killers. Archaeologists believe that they would even sometimes, royalty would take the skin of their enemies to upholster their, their sofas. And I ain't sitting on that sofa. <laughs> That's Larry from down the block, man. <laughs> I can't, I know that scar. <laughs> Like, I'm like, what are you talking about, right? So they would know that the Assyrians just visited that village because the whole population of the village would be headless laying around and there would be a pile of pyramid heads at the opening of the village so that you would know, oh, the Assyrians have been here, okay? So this king of Assyria, I pronounce his name Sennacherib. You can pronounce it however you like. He's dead. He's not coming for you. Okay, all right, so Sennacherib comes or he sends a whole like envoy and it reminds me of, I don't know if you've ever watched the Lord of the Rings where they come to those big black gates and that guy, the mouth is just sitting there talking to, uh, to the king and like just talking junk and then the king is just like, yeah, enough of this and just chops his head off. I was like, I'm not for violence. I, I was like, oh, that's horrible. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know, it's a movie, man. You're like, yeah, be quiet, buddy. <laughs> Take a dirt nap. <laughs> anyway, so you get to this portion of scripture and he sends an envoy and his envoy is talking, speaking to them in their native tongue in Hebrew. And they go to the walls and the people are sitting there and, and Hezekiah's 
guys are out there. His, his heads of state are out there. And he starts telling them, listen, you need to surrender now. Because the great king of Assyria is coming and he's going to do to you what he's done to everybody else. You cannot stop him because the kings before him did this and he is great. The great king of Assyria is coming and he will put you all to death. And the people like, like Hezekiah's people say, hey, can you, can you speak to us in Aramaic and not in Hebrew? We don't want the people to hear. And he says, what, you think this message is just for you? I'm here to tell everyone that the king of Assyria is coming. And, he's, and then he adds on to the end of it. He goes, nobody's God has been able to stop us. What makes you think your God will stop us? Do not believe Hezekiah when he says, trust in the Lord our God. Because no other God has been able to save their people. And then they list all the towns around them that they've taken out and murdered everyone. And everyone's scared. So his heads of state come into him with their, their robes torn, which is customary of, of mourning and you're, you're in despair. And they come into Hezekiah and tell him everything. Hezekiah does the same thing. And Hezekiah goes straight to his big friends. No, Hezekiah goes straight to the temple where God is, right? And then he tells them, talk to Isaiah and tell him to inquire of the Lord for us. It teaches me this is the lesson it teaches me. Where do I run when trouble comes? Where do I run? Do I run to the Lord? And I love it. They come again to, they actually write a letter to Hezekiah. And they write him this letter. And in it is now documented everything that they're going to do. Right? So we'll, we'll flip there. Real quick, 2 Kings uh, 19, and we'll start at, um, well, well, he writes this letter, Isaiah, or Isaiah, sends this message back to them, and, and we'll flip there in a second, but Isaiah sends this message back to him, and he says, the Lord has heard you as you cried out. Hezekiah takes that letter, right? He goes to the temple, and he spreads it out before the Lord, and he says, do you see what they're saying to us. And Hezekiah isn't like living in a fantasy land where he's just like, he can't hurt us. Let's do this. You know, it's not a movie. Hezekiah is distressed. He knows what these people have done. And he knows, you know, they make fun of them. And he says, listen, the king will give you 2,000 horses if you want to come against us. But I don't think you can even find 2,000 men to ride on it. That's what they say to them. Your, your army is so little and weak. We will come and eat you. And they're like, you're right. You are correct. I am weak. And they run to the Lord, and he spreads out these things before the Lord. And he says, Lord, do you see what they're saying? Do you see what they're saying to us? We're in trouble. 
but you're the only one that can help us. Lord, you have the power to stop them. So then the Lord sends word back to him through the prophet Isaiah. And he says um, in um, 2 Kings 19, verses 27 and 28, he kind of he finishes up what he's talking to uh, the, the Assyrian king. And this is what he's saying to the Assyrian king. This is God speaking. He says, but I know you well, where you stay and where you come and go. I know the way you have raged against me. And because of your raging against me and your arrogance, which I have heard for myself, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth, and I will make you return by the same road on which you came. This is what he's saying to Israel's enemy. Now, listen, I don't know if you guys um, know any good threats, like when you're talking, but I'm a New York City kid, so you got threats, you know, like in your pocket, right? That you're never gonna use, but you know, you say them, you know, like, I know where you live, bro. <laughs> I know where you sleep, right? <laughs> you, you watch all those mafia movies, and you know, oh, that's a good one, I'm gonna jot that down. I'm gonna jot that down, yeah. I know your dog. <laughs> yeah, you know? And, and listen, like one of the, one of the, Biggest threats is like, I know where you sleep. Yeah, so what you gonna do? Take out my teddy bear? <laughs> I ain't scared of you. You know, you say crazy stuff to each other, right? Not that I did this. I was in the in earshot of this happening, right? So, um, so then the Lord says to him, like, hey, snacker, I know <laughs> where you go. <laughs> Like, I know where you sleep. I know where you eat, bro. Like, come on, man. In fact, the Lord says, everything you have conquered was my will. I allowed you to do that. But now you're getting a bit haughty, and I'm going to take you out. And then he says exactly how he's going to kill him. If you, if you don't believe this Bible story, you can go uh, to London, and they have this king's gates in the in the... Is it the, the British Museum? They have his gates there. And they'll say, oh, this guy died because his sons killed him with, with the sword in his temple. That's exactly what the Bible tells us. God says, do not worry about him. I will have him called back urgently to his land, and I will have him killed by the sword. So don't worry about him. And that is exactly what happens to the man. When God says something to you, when the, when the Lord says, hey, don't fear man who could kill your body. Fear the one who can kill your soul and your body. And you're like, oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. When God says, listen, I'm not, um, I'm not a man that I would need your help. If I were in need, you'd be the last one I'd come to. <laughs> he says, I own everything on earth, the birds of the air. If I were in need, I wouldn't tell you. <laughs> like as if we could do something about it. God is great. His promises are backed by his infinite power. So therefore, his promises are as good as done. I love this, um, this one um, song that we used to sing when we were little. We've sung it here. And the song is called, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. But I love this one stanza. It's like the first verse. Um, it says, Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. 
just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. To me, that speaks volumes. That speaks volumes of me trusting somebody because he said it. And there are so many things he has said to us in his word, and we need to see it. Like, you know, the one who started the work is faithful to complete it. Thank you, Lord, because I can't complete it. I stink at this life. Like, honestly, if you don't believe me, if you think Pastor Dave is perfect, go talk to my wife. She'll tell you different. She'll tell you he's mega perfect. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> right you know she'll be like yeah you know i've told you before sometimes i struggle with a little bit of the anger right a little bit of the anger seed right and i told you a couple weeks ago there was this one time i'm coming to church and my shirt is not buttoning correctly and praise the lord he gave me my wife right because she's trying to help me out and i'm standing there and um she sees I'm about to rip the shirt off my body. And she says, Dave, it's okay. Praise the Lord that she can calm me, right? And I was like, you're right. <laughs> Would have been fooled. Ah! No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm only kidding. <laughs> Lord is good, right? Hebrews 10, 23. We read this. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. God can be trusted to keep his promise. So if you have trust issues with God, it's your issues, not God's. He can be trusted. He is actually trustworthy. And it's not like, oh yeah, he became trustworthy last week. It's all good, guys. He's been trustworthy before he made the earth. He's been trustworthy before you were on earth. He's been trustworthy for thousands of years, thousands and thousands and thousands of years. As far back as he started asking his people to pen down what he did so that we could read it. He was trustworthy before time began. He was trustworthy in before eternity the uncreated one. I love that question, though, when people are like, yeah, well, if God's great, when's his birthday? Okay, so if he's uncreated, that means he don't have a birthday. <laughs> but we can't understand that because we only know created things. Can't understand it. I'm glad God is bigger than me. Because he's the one running things, not me. I'm glad he's trustworthy. I'm glad that when trouble comes knocking on my door, like great kings that say, I'm going to wipe your name off the face of this earth. I can be honest with it and say, you know what? You do have the power to do that. <laughs> Lord, it is only you that can help the weak like me. How awesome is it that God is gracious to the humble but he opposes the proud. You know, there's something cool, and I'll finish with this. He told Sennacherib, you know, 
I know where you, I know you're coming in and you're going out. I know where you sleep. I know where you eat. I know you. I actually allowed you to come up this path. I'm going to take you back home and you're going to die by the sword. And he says something in Psalm 121, and we'll flip that real quick. Verses seven and eight, and we'll close with this. If you love the Lord, this is what we see. Psalm 121, verses seven and eight. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. See, he sees us. Good guys, bad guys. But what he does with us is different when our hearts are for him, when our lives are for him, when we trust him. He says, you see, I see you're coming and going too. And I will take care of you in all of it. I know where you sleep, and I'll watch over you. So the outcome is different for those of us that place our trust in Christ, right? I love that. I'm glad he knows me, because sometimes people misjudge me. Sometimes people look at my face and they say, you look like a crook. Oh, I'm glad Jesus knows me. I'm glad he knows me, right? They're just like, hey, man, look at this bald-headed freak. And I'm like, I'm glad Jesus knows me. That is comforting to me, that God knows me. He knows where I've been. He knows my troubles. He knows the troubles I have today. He knows when I come and go. And he protects me. And he walks with me. Not because of who I am. Because of who he is. Right? It doesn't, it, the standing isn't with what I have achieved or what you have achieved. That's the beautiful thing. We have not been saved by our works. If you see me do something good, it's because I'm loving him back. He doesn't go through a checklist and, all right, Dave, did you say 10,000 prayers today? Okay. Hail Marys? No? No? You didn't? Okay. Well, you're going to have a little trouble today. And uh, how many our fathers did you say? Uh, none? Not, you don't even know it all? Oh, man, you dead. <laughs> you know, it's not like that. It's not like that. It's, it's founded on his work on the cross. And when I fail, I can run back to him and say, I have messed up once again. And he says, I forgive you. And then I say, Lord, I want to walk with you. I don't want to keep failing like that. I want to walk with you. And he says, okay. And he's given us his spirit, his Holy Spirit, to guide us. And we can ask to be empowered, because I don't have the strength to live this life, man. I fail. I will fail every turn of the way, right? And when I'm not failing, I'm getting angry and failing. <laughs> so he gives us the strength to continue with him, to get rid of these things that don't have no, nothing to do with living a life with him. We can be kind, we can be gentle, generous. We can be calm, we can be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, right? We can do these things because he can strengthen us to do it. We just have to trust him. Let's pray. Lord, I just praise you and I thank you for your word. Lord, help us 
to be like that generation that came up from the, the generation that failed. Lord, that generation that said, you know what? It's a reasonable thing to trust God. He has always been there for us, always delivered us. So, Lord, that we would place our trust in you. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us as we go celebrate with Tom and Alyssa. Lord, that we'd have a great time later today. Lord, we also pray, pray that if it's your will, you'd hold back any rain so that we could have a good time. But, Lord, even if there is rain, we'd have a great time. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.